It's the 1984 Holiday Bowl, BYU's first ever national championship game. The Cougars are led by first-year starting quarterback Robbie Bosco. This game has been billed as the national championship game, primarily because of this man, Robbie Bosco. He's guided his team to an incredible 12-0 season and secured the school's first number one ranking. Now the only thing standing in his way are the Michigan Wolverines. With 1.23 left on the game clock, BYU and Michigan are tied at 17. Bosco sees wide receiver Kelly Smith and lets the ball fly to the back of the end zone for the go-ahead touchdown. We'll get back to Bosco's story in a bit. Today, the BYU football team is known for its all-star quarterbacks, known for making legendary passes, but it hasn't always been that way. Before 1972, college football was dominated by teams that didn't pass the ball, but ran it. There was the wishbone at Oklahoma, the triple option at Nebraska, the three yards and a cloud of dust offense in the Big Ten. But in 1972, Lavelle Edwards became head coach at BYU, and college football changed forever. Because in 1972, Lavelle Edwards knew he couldn't win games on the ground. Doing the conventional wouldn't work for Edwards and BYU. So he looked for another path to victory. He looked to the air. Today we look back at BYU's quarterback factory. How it turned out Super Bowl winners, a national championship, a Heisman Trophy recipient, and many other accomplishments. How Lavelle Edwards' vision to pass the ball instead of run it made BYU the eighth winningest team in college football over the last five decades. To understand how BYU got where it is today, we have to go back to Lavelle's first star quarterback, Gary Scheide. Scheide is the often forgotten great BYU quarterback, but his role in getting BYU's high-powered passing attack off the ground is critical. He grew up in BYU's own Provo, Utah, and played junior college ball before transferring to BYU. When he showed up to Lavelle's program, he was untested. He was also injury-prone. It was midway through Shidey's first year in 1973, and BYU was struggling. They were 1-5 and and badly in need of some momentum. Western Athletic Conference quarterbacks dominated the collegiate football scene in 1973. Seven of the eight were among the top 24 nationally in total offense, led by a new face at Brigham Young University. BYU coach Lavelle Edwards tutored the nation's most prolific passing combination, junior quarterback Gary Scheide and sophomore receiver Jay Miller. Scheide came out like a rocket. He threw for 310 yards in his first game with the Cougars. Then he had another 408-yard game. BYU ended with a losing record that year, but Shidey helped them win three of their last four games. The momentum from those wins carried over to Shidey's senior year in 1974. The preseason hopes for the Cougars this year rested mainly on the shoulders of returning quarterback Gary Shidey. In that 74 season, Shidey really came into his own. Quarterback Gary Shidey ranked eighth in the Heisman Trophy voting. He was named UPI's most valuable player in the WAC. UPI All-WAC First Team, All-Western Athletic Conference First Team, Player of the Week against Wyoming, part of the UPI National Backfield of the Week against UTEP and Arizona, the Associated Press named him Back of the Week against Arizona. 
Shady's prowess on the field led his team to BYU's first ever bowl game, the Fiesta Bowl. After the Utah win, officials from the Fiesta Bowl were on the field to hand the Cougars the keys to Phoenix as the Western Athletic Conference football champions. But the outcome was devastating. At the end of the first quarter against Oklahoma State, Shady busted his shoulder and was carried off the field. Without him, the Cougars were crushed. But the quarterback torch was lit. Now Lavelle just had to find his next star. Luckily for him, another homegrown product from Provo was ready to rise to stardom. Next to come out of the factory was Gifford Nilsson. Took his team to the Tangerine Bowl. But again, the Cougars were defeated. His next season, Nilsson suffered an injury and an abrupt end to his college career. A career that earned him a place in the College Football Hall of Fame. Nilsson's injury opened the door for the next quarterback, Mark Wilson. Wilson's first game out of the gate was against Colorado State, and he threw for seven touchdown passes. Seven. Coach Edwards turned to sophomore Mark Wilson, a look-alike, to Gifford Nielsen at six foot five and two hundred five pounds. So what happened? Mark Wilson eased the pain of the Nielsen loss as he led BYU to an overwhelming sixty-three to seventeen victory over the Rams. Wilson threw seven TD passes for a new WAC record. He completed 15 of 25 for 332 yards in just over two quarters. Coach Scoville said after the game, Mark's a lot like Roger Staubach. He can scramble and throw on the run. Wilson was named the UPI and AP back of the week. The immediate success from Wilson at quarterback showed that Lavelle's quarterback factory was working. It's important to keep in mind that Lavelle's passing vision came with some downsides. Throwing the ball runs the risk of interceptions. Running the ball is more consistent and a safer method. That's why it was so common during this era of college football. And Mark Wilson learned this the hard way. In his second start against the subpar Wyoming team, Wilson threw six interceptions. BYU won the game, but barely. It's the second most interceptions in a game in BYU football history. Wilson went on to lead BYU to its first undefeated regular season record in 1979 before being taken down in the Holiday Bowl against Indiana. Then came Jim McMahon, the wild man himself. In the growing arsenal of great BYU quarterbacks, Jim McMahon was different. He was from New Jersey. He was smaller than his predecessors. He was Catholic. He disobeyed BYU's strict honor code. I was in coach's office every Monday morning trying to figure out what I'd done over the weekend. And uh, I said, well, we won. That's all I remember doing. When McMahon took his team to the 1980 Holiday Bowl, that game was different too. You will see Jim McMahon right here throwing the ball from the shotgun as well as the multiple tee. And what can we say about Jim McMahon, the greatest story in NCAA history? Down by 20 with four minutes to go, another BYU Bowl loss seemed imminent. A very happy group of Mustangs. They smell a victory. The first down pass was completed. BYU's offense reaches fourth down. Lavelle calls on the punt team to kick the ball. He's ready to surrender. But Jim McMahon, the wild man that he is, he's got other plans. We kick now, we got no shot. You know, at least, at least give us a shot to do something. And I remember Lavelle and Doug Scoville looking at each other like they didn't know what the hell to do. And I, 
<laughs> he said, okay, we'll, you know, I, we'll take care of this. You know, it was fourth down and two. Uh, you can't make two yards. You don't deserve to win. And uh, I, I, I remember just calling. Uh, I said, on the line of scrimmage, you know, I'll call the play at the line of scrimmage. I gave myself a balanced formation. And for some reason, they're not covering Clay Brown, you know, the best tight end in the country. And he's got a linebacker over him, and that's it. And so I audible do a simple little, you know, an in by the, out, the wide receiver, a little out by Clay. We get the first down. We go down and scored. Then BYU scores again. Then BYU gets a block punt. Suddenly, the Cougars have a chance. At four seconds left on the clock, BYU is at the 41-yard line. McMahon lines up in shotgun. He drops back, and he airs it out. No time on the clock. It's up in the air. It is deep. It is what? He caught it. He it's a touchdown. Touchdown on the last play. And Brigham Young has won it. A miracle catch. It's one of the greatest comebacks in college football history. Keep in mind where we are. This was a time when only one or two games were on national TV per week. BYU wasn't a prominent team in the national landscape. McMahon's record-setting performances and memorable comebacks were just what Lavelle's aerial passing attack needed to get into that national spotlight. Over the next few years, Lavelle's quarterback vision clicked into place. If McMahon was the wild man in BYU's quarterback factory, Steve Young was its most unlikely star story. A left-handed quarterback from across the country in Greenwich, Connecticut, Young started his BYU career as the seventh-string quarterback. But his dual-threat abilities were undeniable. He could throw the ball, and he could run it. Young dazzled Cougar fans and even the nation. At the time, Young had the best finish for a BYU player in the Heisman Trophy voting with a second-place finish in 1983. Young led his BYU team to 11 consecutive victories that year and fielded one of the best BYU offenses of all time. Like McMahon before him, Young delivered an iconic performance in a Holiday Bowl. He caught, yeah, you heard that right, caught the game-winning touchdown pass to defeat Missouri in 1983. Running play, Stanette to throw, throws it back to Young. Young touches the ball! They might! They do score! And then it's 1984, and we're at our opening scene, the national championship game, BYU versus Michigan. It's a mere 12 years after Lavelle Edwards inherited the mediocre no-name BYU program. His vision to throw the ball is paying off. It's the year that quarterback Robbie Bosco takes his team to the number one spot in the country. Lavelle marveled at his quarterback's talents. The incredible thing about Robbie Bosco... um, is that uh, in those kinds of situations, uh, he just um, just something that seems to come alive. Uh, uh, he, he doesn't throw a bad pass. He, uh, uh, he's right on target. Uh, uh, and he's just done that all year long. Robbie Bosco wasn't expected to take his team to a national championship. 
at the start of his BYU career, the media cast him as kind of a no-name. Going into his first season as a starting quarterback, BYU wasn't the consensus favorite. Sports Illustrated picked the Cougars to finish third in the WAC. Coming off seven consecutive WAC titles, that was bulletin board material for the inexperienced QB. Early in Bosco's first game, he proves the critics right. It's the first ever live football game on ESPN. The pressure is on. Welcomes you aboard for College Football Live 1984, a doubleheader beginning here with Brigham Young in Pittsburgh. And there from our Goodyear blimp, we can see the beautiful Pitt Stadium, 40,073 degrees. Bosco flubs the first half. He's throwing interceptions. Lucky for him, BYU's defense is keeping the Cougars in the game. Then at halftime, Lavelle sits Bosco down for a pep talk. They make some adjustments, and in the second half, things click into place as they always do for BYU's passing attack. By the end of the game, he's learning to play under pressure. Bosco's found his groove. The win against Pittsburgh set the tone for the rest of the season. 12 games, 12 wins. Ladies and gentlemen. And then that national championship game. But from there, there was nowhere to go but down. Bosco graduated in 1985. For the first time since Gary Scheide, Lavelle didn't have a clear QB to take up the mantle. In 1986, BYU finished third in the WAC. After 15 years of incredible BYU football growth, the fans' mountain-high expectations became championship or bust. That drought... Without a WAC championship, lasted for three years, but it felt like an eternity to Cougar faithful. And then the gunslinging Texan, the Pee Wee Herman doppelganger, and coach's son, Ty Detmer, took the reins. BYU got back to its championship perch. You know, it's kind of scary that I, I came to BYU and committed as quickly as I did because I really didn't know anything about it until, you know, a month before, and then all of a sudden it was nothing but BYU because of the program and the tradition of the quarterbacks. And and so far it's turned out great. I couldn't ask for anything more. Former BYU assistant coach Chris Pella, who also served as the director of recruiting in the 80s for BYU, knew the moment he saw Ty for the first time that the Cougars had a star. I had to convince him, LaBella, this kid could play. He was a, he, he didn't look like a football player, that's for sure, but he, he was very unique. And I remember in practice standing behind him. Every time he'd go to throw a pass, it was kind of like Moses opening the Red Sea. Good thing LaBella was convinced of Ty's talents. Ty Detmer was a golden boy, the prom king of BYU football. He was everything that BYU fans want in their quarterback. Over his legendary Cougars tenure, he delivered memorable moments. He played through injuries. He married his college sweetheart, Kim. He had a knack for making big plays out of nothing. He was like a magician. Detmer was the first BYU quarterback to start in his freshman season, so he played a lot of games. That experience paid off. It was Detmer who delivered the greatest win in BYU history. If any one single game set Ty apart, it was against top-ranked Miami. His performance made Steve Young sound like a prophet. If uh, Ty wins that type of game in a Heisman type of effort, 
we could have a trophy in Utah. Yeah. And that would be, you know, you think about that, that'd be unbelievable. Miami was good. They'd won 34 of their last 36 games. They'd won two national championships in the previous three years. If BYU was the king of the whack, Miami was the king of the entire sport of college football. And they knew they were good. Maybe they knew it a little too well. Miami on top, 34-20, king. 45-3, I'm not giving them nothing. Still, their confidence was justified against BYU. In Detmer's freshman year, Miami annihilated BYU, 41-17 in the Orange Bowl. Miami players remember crushing Detmer in that game in Miami. You saw the, the BYU game, the little fight they had there, a little bench-clearing brawl, a lot of penalties. They're a nasty team, aren't they? Sure, I think um, we're we're more aware of that than I think probably a lot of teams that might play them non-conference-wise because uh, freshman year when we played them, there was, a, there was a lot of personal fouls and there was a few you know shoving matches after plays. So, I mean, we're, uh, it's not real foreign to us at this point. But now it's 1990. And Detmer is a junior, and the game is in Provo. This was going to be Lavelle's greatest test for his famed passing attack. At halftime, BYU is actually leading. David is toe-to-toe with Goliath, all because of Ty Detmer. But in the third quarter, BYU loses its edge. There's still a chance to come back. Detmer takes a snap. He steps back. Four Miami defenders are coming at him. Detmer starts running like a madman. It's a chaotic scene. So chaotic that two Miami defenders collide with each other. Detmer steps in front of them, takes a pass, and finds the hands of Mike Salito, a.k.a. Salito the Torpedo. Detmer gets away. Touchdown! and BYU bags its greatest win in school history. The fans storm the field and celebrate their first victory over a number one ranked team. But that coach-pleasing golden boy Ty Detmer rushes back to the locker room and misses out on the fun. And I remember, you know, the crowd rushing the field, and I, I was thinking, man, I got to get to the locker room. Lavelle's, the team's going to be in there. I'm going to be the last one in. I got to get in there. And I get up on the railing, and I shimmy to the tunnel, and I run up in there, and I was the only guy in the locker room <laughs> for about five minutes. I'm like, man, I probably could have celebrated a little bit that night. After the Miami win, Ty Detmer became a national celebrity. Coaches around the country considered him the best quarterback in the nation best overall player and it garnered him the most prestigious individual award in college football the Heisman Trophy the winner of the 1990 Heisman Award whose name is Ty Detmer Ty Detmer of BYU Ty Detmer it's BYU's first and only Detmer rewrote the NCAA's record books by putting up video game-like numbers. All the while, he was his typical Southern gentleman self, talking with his Texas drawl, and is considered BYU's greatest player of all time. Coach Edwards knew how special Ty was. He's a marvel as far as I'm concerned. Uh, uh, he's as, he's as uh, good as I've ever been around or worked with or have ever seen. I mean, the guy can do it all. 
The last great quarterback under Lavelle was Steve Sarkeesian. He led BYU to their first and only New Year's Day bowl game, a win over Kansas State in the Cotton Bowl in 1996. Lavelle Edwards retired in 2000. His vision to pass the football instead of run changed the game forever. BYU football hasn't been the same since, but Lavelle's legacy continues. In the 21st century, we've seen great quarterbacks like Brandon Doman. And Doman will run the option and cut it back. And reach for the end zone. He got it. Touchdown, Brandon Doman. Brigham Young leads it. John Beck. John Beck is on the run. He throws behind him. It is caught for the touchdown. Caught for the touchdown. Caught for the touchdown. Johnny Harleen got it for the score. Harleen by himself in the end zone. The Cougars win it. Max Hall. It's everything you would ask for in a game like this to come out with a win. I'm so proud of my guys, man. This is this is surreal. This is awesome. Taysom Hill. Snap Taysom. Three-step drop. Settles. Now pressure comes. Taysom steps out of it. 30, 25. Gap for Taysom. 20, 15, 10. A hurdle. Oh, man. Touchdown. What a play. Taysom Hill in for six. What a score. Zach Wilson. I feel like the statement that we made was that we're a big-time team. And now, Jaron Hall. And now being here as a quarterback in the town I grew up in with the people I know and love um, and all the new people I've met since, it's, it's a blessing. It's, it's pretty surreal every time I take the field, um, especially here at Lavelle Edwards, seeing our fans. It's a dream come true every time. When you think about the passing yardage that the men I've noted in this podcast pass for during their careers at BYU... It totals 118,875 yards of passing. You could drive north on Interstate 15 in Utah from BYU's campus in Provo all the way up to Bountiful, Utah, if you used all the passes from these quarterbacks over the years. There are very few positions in college football that hold the prestige that the BYU quarterback spot holds. Penn State is linebacker you. Okay. USC, running back you. All right. LSU, DBU, sounds good. The title of quarterback U belongs to BYU. And with the strength of the quarterback factory legacy attached to them, they hope a future signal caller can deliver another national championship title back to Provo, as Robbie Bosco did on that starry night in San Diego all the way back in 1984. Coming up in the next episode of A Century of Cougar Football. I don't like him. In fact, I hate him. I hate everything about him. In the early 2000s, Lavelle's era came to a close. We'll look at the decade that saw BYU go through scandal, championships, and the beginning of a curse. A Century of Cougar Football is researched, hosted, and written by me, Mitch Harper. Rachel Miller-Howard also helped with writing and is responsible for audio production and sound design. Mixing by Trent Sell and Rachel Miller-Howard. Special thanks to Madison Hinkhouse and Nathan Dowdle. And executive producer Cheryl Worsley. A Century of Cougar Football is a KSL podcast.